This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Exodus chapter 32 and we're dealing with Moses coming down the mountain and he's coming He's coming down the mountain to deal with the people who have turned to idolatry. That's what they're doing. And when Moses comes down the mountain, we see something that is interesting. I think it's a, a little side note that is of interest. And the, what we see is that Joshua had gone up, apparently, some distance up the mountain with Moses. And not far enough from the camp that he couldn't hear what was going on in the camp but far enough away from the camp that he was not there when the things were going on in the camp. He perhaps was Moses' guard. Maybe they, they took a few men, a few soldiers, and Joshua being one of those soldiers up there to the mountainside to be a guard so that no one could follow Moses up there and kill him. They would have kept them from anybody from going up and disturbing Moses and his talk with God. Joshua definitely was outside the camp and he definitely was someone of importance this is really the first time in in a big way that joshua steps on the scene joshua is the one who leads the children of israel into the promised land he is also the general who fights israel's battles went before they actually enter the promised land and they're going to fight some battles as we will see as we study on but joshua is outside the camp and uh, Joshua is guarding, is a guard of Moses. And it says, when Joshua heard the noise of the people, as they shouted, this is verse 17, he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. And I, I, I always uh, say that uh, uh, your heart turns toward the things that you know, and your heart turns the, toward the things that you understand. And when you hear things, oftentimes you hear what your mind and your heart want to hear, or at least what your mind and heart are tuned to hear. And, and so you see where Joshua is a warrior, and, and he plays that great role of warrior when he enters the promised land because he is given the promise by God that God will give him everywhere he places his foot, which means that if he will march and do what God has told him to do, God will give him great victory, and he does. And uh, Joshua is a type of Christ as well as Moses, and so he is, a, he is the uh, type of Christ that is pictured as king of kings and lord of lords and joshua is also that and he is one of my favorite characters in the bible you say why are you spending all this time on joshua of the characters in the old testament that i love the most daniel and joshua are my two favorite they have books named after them and they are great men of faith and we see young joshua here guarding moses and when Moses comes down the mountain, he says, there's a noise of war in the camp. And his heart obviously bends toward understanding that. And so he says, Moses, I don't know what's going on, but it sounds like there's a war going on in the camp. And notice that he didn't go back to the camp to deal with the noise. He stayed at his post. 
And that is a, another thing that I would say about Joshua, is Joshua was a man to do what he was supposed to do and what he knew and understood God had called him to do. And you'll see that as you, if you, when hopefully one day we'll study through the book of Joshua. I love the book of Joshua. We'll study through Joshua's faithfulness in doing everything that God had told him to do. He was a man who kept his post. He made sure that he, he stayed at his post no matter what was raging around him, his heart and his mind were always fixed on what God had told him to do. And so he says, there's a noise of war in the camp. But Moses said, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. And that, that reminds me when Samuel comes to, to King Saul and Saul got, Samuel had told Saul that he needed to kill everyone in a battle and leave nothing alive and Saul comes out and meets Samuel on the road and says I've been victorious and I did everything that God told me to do and and quite clearly there's a herd of sheep that uh, he did not kill that are nearby and they are bleeding and uh, Samuel says what is that bleeding I hear in my ears what what we hear from Moses is Moses says this is not the bleeding of sheep this this is the song, this is singing that I hear and he's about to go deal with it it says so so it was as soon as he came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing now we're about to get into something that I need to spend a little bit of time on and this important thing I had that little side note on Joshua but Moses does something here that I think is really important. And it's important because he, he delineates those who wanted to do this worship, wanted to enter into idolatry, and those who don't. And he does it in a very unique way. He says, so it came to pass as soon as they came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot. Notice Moses told God, why, why are you getting angry about this? And now Moses is angry. Righteous anger is, is, can be contagious, by the way. It can be very contagious. And God was right to be angry. And Moses, when he gets to the camp, is right to be angry. There's times in life when we are right to be angry about something. But God is anger, angry and sin not, sins not. God instructs us to be angry and sin not. The problem is that uh, most of us, especially those of, of my family and my lineage, it's hard to be angry and sin not. It burns deep in us. And even if it's a righteous anger, sometimes it's difficult not to be, not to sin in the midst of our anger. And so I found that man's anger does not bring about God's righteousness is my key verse when it deals with anger, not be angry and sin not, because I oftentimes can't handle that. So my, my, my verse that I use, that God has used to deliver me from the hot fires of anger that usually burn down things that I don't want burned down in the midst of burning down things that I want burned down, is man's anger does not bring about God's righteous life, which means my anger really doesn't do any good. What I need to do is be doing God's will and let God's anger, which is righteous and never is sinful, handle situations that I have no control over. And so it says, so Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hand and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Remember yesterday we talked about that being a picture of broken covenant. And it is a broken covenant. Idolatry, when we chase after other gods, is a picture of a broken covenant. And that's throughout the Old Testament. That's not even, that's not even hardly worth saying. It's just one of those things that we all know. 
We all know if we chase after other gods, then God. He says he'll have no other gods before him, and we should not do that. If you want to just get country about it, you shouldn't do that, and we shouldn't. We should not chase after other gods. We should chase after chase after our God, the God who has redeemed us out of sin, and the God who's given us victory and eternal life. And no no need to no need to chase after other gods. We should serve our one true God and serve Him only. It says, then He took the calf which he had made. This is the verse. He burned it in the fire and ground it to powder. Now, this is interesting about this calf, and I'm, I'm not sure that I went through it uh, in great detail uh, earlier, but you need to understand that there's two gods in between uh, where they're at. There's the God of Canaan, and there's a God in Egypt. They're both important gods. The, God, the Baal God in Canaan and the God of Apis, I think is the way it's spelled, A-P-I-S, or it may be Asip. But anyway, he's a God in Egypt, and he is a, and both gods are not, they're not calves, what they really are, young bulls. And in fact, this word here can be translated young bull, and perhaps should be in the context of these two gods and understanding what the children of Israel knew. Likelihood is that this calf was a young bull, and he was made in the image of the God they came from in Egypt. And we always turn back toward that which we worship before when times get tough or we don't have a direction rather than turning toward God. Oftentimes we turn to the things we know or we grew up with and they all always lead us to the destruction we've always known. But we sometimes just do that and that's what we do. Now, there's another aspect of this. These people are not just turning back to it because they didn't know what to do. These people are intentionally going back to their own God. And I'm going to tell you that that is a symptom and a problem in the ancient church. It's been a symptom and problem in church history, and it is a symptom and a problem today. People go back to go back to their own worship and the worship of themselves and their own desires, and they leave God and they make for themselves idols to worship themselves. And that problem continues on. It's a problem. And it's a problem because those people still come to church and think they're actually worshiping God. And when times get tough or difficulty happens, they chase after them their own self. And that's what's going on here. Now, what happened with these two gods is they weren't gods made of pure gold. They were usually a frame placed, maybe a wooden frame that would be made. And then they would make these plates of gold and they would hammer them and fashion them and that's why they got Aaron to do it because he was an expert in that they would fashion these plates around this mold or cast that was made of the calf and the golden calf wouldn't have been made of pure gold he would have been a plated gold idol and and one of the things that that they would do both in Egypt and in Canaan is that the, especially with gold because gold is such a such a moldable it's such a weak metal that they would kiss that god and the hope was both in Egypt and Canaan is that a little bit of the gold would get in their on their mouth and then they would ingest it and the god would become a part of them and the desire was that they would ingest the gold of that god and that god then they'd have that god inside of them notice the God goes from outside of them to in them. Literally, the God becomes them. The, the pictures are just so clear. And so they would ingest this God and or hope they did by kissing him or, or, or by placing their mouth on him. And ultimately, the God would be them. And so they were made, it was made available to them both in Egypt 
and in Canaan that they could come and kiss the God. And that's what Moses does here. Here he said It says he took the calf that was made, he burned it in the fire. It would have been difficult to burn it in the fire if the, if the insides were not something that was flammable. But he burned it in the fire. Then he, once he burned that, that cast in the fire, you, now you've got puddles of gold that would have hardened. He took those puddles of gold and he, he ground them down into a fine powder. And then he put them in water. And it says he made or he allowed or he caused the children of Israel to drink it. Now, some commentators think that they made everybody drink it, and this was a test. The adulterous woman we find in Exodus, and that's possible. And those who t took it and were idol worshipers would have gotten sick. And then when the Levites go through the camp and kill them all, they know who to kill. That's a possibility, and I'm going to tell you that's a true that could be a true interpretation of this. I tend to think that he ground this calf into powder, he put it in the water, and then he told the people, those of you who want this golden calf, those of you who want to worship this idol, those of you who want to choose idolatry over God and God's revelation, and by the way, that's the whole reason they're on that mountainside, is to receive the revelation of God. They are choosing their own will and their own way, their own worship of themselves, their own worship of this idol. They're choosing that over the worship of God and the revelation of God, which God has clearly brought them to that mountain to give them. And I think Moses grounded into a powder and said, if you want this God, if this is the God you want to worship, and by the way, there'd been trouble all the way from Egypt. There was trouble when they were on the uh, sh shore of the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was coming. There was trouble when they crossed the Red Sea and there was no water. There was trouble when there was no food. These people constantly were wanting to go back to Egypt. Not all of them, not all the, not all the Israelites, but there were a lot of them who did. And Moses in this act, I believe, was saying, if you want that, if that's what you want, if that's what you desire, you drink of this calf. I'm, you don't have to kiss it and hope you ingest it. I'm giving you a chance to ingest your God. And I believe a lot of them did. I believe a lot of them did. And we're going to see that those who did were going to be identifiable. And those who did are going to, are going to suffer the consequences of it. Because when you're on the path to the revelation of God, the path to knowing God, the path of walking with God, the path of salvation, and then you choose to go back to your other gods. You choose your will over God's revelation. And I think that's the key understanding in this passage is that Moses was on the mountain to get the revelation of God, to bring it to God's people. And God's people, the ones he delivered out of Egypt, not all of them, but many of them, thousands of them, chose their own will their own prior religion, their own way, and <clears throat> ultimately they chose all that over God's revelation. And when they did that, when they did that, they're apostate. They have turned from God. And Second Thessalonians tells us that in the end times there will be a great apostasy. And the word apostasy means to turn away. And it says that those who turn away from the truth, even though the Antichrist and those in the end times are revealed, those who turn away from that truth and turn and turn toward the way of the world, 
The Bible says that God sends them a delusion so that they believe that lie. And then they cannot be redeemed. They cannot be saved. And this is a sobering passage. In my pastorate, in, in the three decades that I've spent pastoring churches and ministering in churches, I have seen this. This is not something that is just an Old Testament idea. It's not something that's just a New Testament church idea where Peter and Paul had to deal with it. It's not something that, that has passed away. This is a problem that exists today. There are many who would choose their own will over God's revelation to them. And if they do, they choose death over life. And it has consequences. It has real consequences. And Moses, I believe, gave them the right. And I think he did the right thing here. I think when he, he ground that gold into powder, and he said, okay, if you want to ingest your God, here he is. And he caused them to drink it. I think, I think that he did the right thing. He made sure that his people chose. And Mo, this young man, Joshua, who I had the little side note on, he, he later on, when he gets ready to go into the promised land, he says, choose this day whom you shall serve. And then later he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That that dichotomy, even in these few verses, you see a people who've chosen their own will over God's revelation. They've cho chosen their own way over God's life. And you have this young man, Joshua, who remains at his post, even though commotion is all around him. And when it time comes to enter into the promises of God, the best of God, you see the heart of this young man, Joshua, when he says, choose this day whom you will serve. And then, then he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What is he saying? I'm going to serve the Lord and his revelation and his precepts and his way. And I'm going to walk with him. And the people uh, who choose the other way, they choose death and lifelessness. And that's a, boy, that's a stark uh, revelation, but it's a powerful one. And it's a powerful one for us always throughout time, and especially today as any day. We should choose this day whom shall, we shall serve. I serve the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God-man who came, Jesus Christ, as the fulfillment of all the Old Testament revelation and is the Word made flesh, the light sent into the darkness, and He is who I will serve, and He is who you should serve each and every day. And I know because you're watching, because you're listening, because we're diving deep into God's Word, that's what you want. And if you want it, God says, I will make it available to you, and you shall As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.